Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. I'm Hugh Cole. Thank you for joining us this week. It's great to have you. As usual, we'll start this week with a sermon from the 10 a.m. service at All Saints Church Chevy Chase, followed by a sermon from the family table service. First up, we'll hear from our associate rector, Father B.J. Burriker, with a sermon for Sunday, May 9th, 2021, entitled, Your Best Friend, Jesus. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning and God's blessings be upon you all, whether you're here in the nave at home or wherever else you might be watching uh, our service today. I want to begin by asking you to think a happy thought, to think about one of the best friends you have ever had in your entire life. Maybe it's somebody you grew up with, maybe it's somebody you know now, but one of the best friends you have ever had. And my question is, is this somebody that you just enjoy being around? somebody you just enjoy hanging out with, somebody you might go to a ball game with, or does it go a bit deeper than that? And maybe they've had a lasting impact on your life. Maybe they helped you find a job at some point, or helped you study for a test that you wouldn't have passed otherwise. Maybe they introduced you to your spouse, or they just happened to be there for you when you needed them. I think of friends that I had when I was 16 and I moved from this area, you know, a suburb of DC, to an area of North Carolina that had a whopping single stoplight. It's got two now, so it's expanded greatly, right? But my friends, I hated this move, I didn't want to be there, and they rallied around me and they supported me through that tough time. I think of a friend of mine from school named Adam, who if it hadn't been for him, I would not have passed my Greek class, and he really got me through that. Or a friend of mine named David from college who introduced me to a game called the Settlers of Catan that set in motion a ball that's now left my living room full of games and my wallet empty of money. We all have friends like this, right? And they make our life truly better, don't they? They're just wonderful people. And in today's gospel, we get to read about a friend who surpasses all of them, our Lord Jesus as our best friend who can do even more than any of them can. He says, you're no longer servants, you're my friends. And think about how big of a deal that is. You have the Son of God, the King of Kings, through whom everything in the entire universe was made, who walked on water, calmed the storm, healed the sick, and even raised people from the dead. And he wants you and you and you to be his friend. That's pretty cool. That's amazing that he would do that, and I'm humbled every time I think about it. And yet, as our text suggests, you know, he's not just our friend, he's still the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and so he says, look, you can be my friends if you keep my commandments. Now, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, he has many things to say and many commandments that he gives that run through stuff like money and family, lust, relationships, anger, prayer, evangelism, greed, and all sorts of other things. But I think you can take all of those commandments and boil them down to one. You know what it is? Love. Love. He says, this is my commandment, singular. Love one another as I have loved you. It's a rather tall order, 
And I'll be honest with you, God has been drilling this into my head quite a bit recently. I got to preach the Maundy Thursday service, and you know what the text said? Love one another as I have loved you. I mean, same thing, right? And then it shows up in my Bible studies. It shows up in conversations that I have, and, you know, in my thoughts and in my prayers. And I've been told that if God tells you something once, you should listen to it. If he says it twice, you should really pay attention to it. If he says it three times, you done messed up. Right? <laughs> and I think I done messed up because it's not just been three, but four, five, six times this seems to be coming up. I need to hear this because I don't think I love the way that Jesus loves. But that's what I am called to do. That's what we're all called to do. And there's all sorts of examples throughout Scripture about Jesus loving others. I'm not going to go through them all. But if you think about it, he fed the, the hungry. He healed the sick. He had compassion on a woman who had just lost her son and raised him back up from the dead. He put up with his knuckle-headed disciples for three whole years, and he didn't zap the Pharisees once. He walked all over the place, up mountains, through the desert. He got in boats and things like that so that other people could hear the word of God and the good news of the gospel. I have a hard time getting off the couch to get my kids a glass of orange juice. And he's traipsing all throughout Israel. And of course, the prime example of love is up there. The cross, his death for us so that we could have eternal life. The love of Jesus is truly unmatched and not in anything we can find somewhere else. And in all of these stories, I think we can continue to boil it down. In all of these stories, what was Jesus' number one priority? What was best for other people? Not himself. That's not best for Jesus. It's best for you. It's best for me. And that's who he was thinking about when he did it. And even on the cross as he's suffering and dying, what does he do? He turns to the thief next to him and says, Today I welcome you into paradise. And as they're putting nails into his hands, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. His love was one that is constantly and continually thinking about what was best for other people, even when it hurt him, and he acted on it. And that is the calling for us, to think about the needs of others and to act on it. A beautiful example of this that I've read recently comes from a novelist who I've never read, so I'm not going to give you his name. But he talks about how after just several years of marriage, he and his wife realized that they were very different people and quite honestly not very compatible. And they just seemed to constantly butt heads and be up against one another all the time. And every conversation devolved into a screaming match. And he says he was away on a trip, he calls his wife, and within minutes, he's yelling into his end of the phone, she's yelling into her end of the phone, and it's just devastating. After the conversation, he kind of collapses into the shower in tears, and it's just realizing that he is alone and lonely, frustrated and angry, and he yells at God. And at one point he says, I don't know if yelling at God counts as a prayer, but that's all I had. And he's yelling at God saying, why is this happening? What's going on? God, why can't you change her? Why can't she change? And at that point, he hears God speak to him silently and says, you can't change her, but you can change you. 
So he gets back home, and the next morning after he's home, he wakes up, and the first thing he says to his wife is, how can I make your day better? And she goes, what? What are you talking about? He says, how can I make your day better? And she goes, I don't know, clean the kitchen. He goes, okay. And he got up and he went in the kitchen and he cleaned it. The next morning he gets up again and says, how can I make your day better today? And she goes, clean the garage. And he says, I know she said it out of spite and I almost blew up at her. <laughs> but I bit my tongue and I got up and I spent several hours in the garage and I cleaned it. And for two weeks he would wake up and the first thing he said is, how can I make your day better? How can I make your day better? And he said, after two weeks, she finally broke down and said, why are you asking me this question? I don't deserve this. I'm the stubborn one in the family, not you. I should ask you this question. And he said, yeah, you should, but not today. Today I get to ask it. How can I make your day better? And as he's writing this story, the author is saying, you know, and after 30 years, we've had a great marriage. And we've grown to see that our differences really are actually strengths in our marriage, or they're just kind of funny things that don't really matter at all. But it was that question, how can I make your day better, that stuck with me and stuck with him. And that's what we should be asking about other people. How can I make your job better? What are the games I can play with my kids that would make them happy? What can I take off your plate so that your job is easier? How can I make your life better? That's the question love asks, and then it acts on it. And once again, we turn to Jesus, and we see he does this really well. And he knows the needs of the people that are around him. He knows the people that need to be fed, the ones that need to be taught, the ones that need to be listened to, the ones that need a swift kick in the pants, the ones who need to be forgiven, and of course he knows that all of us need him to die. And he meets everybody where their needs are, puts their needs above his own, and meets them. What are the needs of the people around us, and how can we act on them and best serve the people beside us? There are tons of people in our life who need love, right? Family, friends, people at work, school, whatever. And of course, they're all equally easy to love, right? Ha ha ha, no! People are hard to love, right? I asked this at the family table service. Why are people tough to love? And one woman just goes, they're annoying. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Not you, of course. The ones from the family table service. That, that, <laughs> No, people are mean to us, they might hate us, they might get on our nerves, we may not understand them, approve of their life choices, they might vote differently than us, their values might be different, we might just find them weird and strange, or they get on our nerves. Or maybe we're just tired, or hungry, or we've got something else to do. It's hard to love people, but you know what? We're called to do it anyway, so try harder. Yeah, that doesn't work. That never works. That never, ever works. But there is a secret to being able to do this. And it goes back to friendship. It goes all the way back to friendship. Think about your friends again over the course of time and the long impact they've had on you. Have you ever felt that you might actually be a little bit more like them now than you were when you first met them? I read a story this week about a man who wanted to impress this girl, so he told her he liked to run. He was 300 pounds. 
but he liked the girl, spent time with her, and five years later, he's lost 120 of them. That's a lasting impact. I had a roommate in college who loved college basketball. So you know what I watched a lot of? College basketball. Go Duke. <laughs> Guess what happens if I'm around somebody who likes to be silly and goof off? Be quiet, adult. <laughs> I'm silly and goof off with a doll. <laughs> and if I'm around somebody who's serious, I act a bit more serious, right? Or if I'm with somebody who likes to talk, I talk. Or if I'm with somebody who's athletic, I stay on my couch. It only goes so far. Our personalities over time rub off on one another, and we become little by little more and more like them. A lot of my friends that I've known a long time have told me that since I've married Kimberly, I'm a much nicer person. Why? Because she's a much nicer person than I am and more patient. Amen. What, what I worry about is they go to her and say, we used to like you, <laughs> and then you married that bozo. So what's the secret? What's the secret to, to love here? It's to spend more time with your best friend, to spend more time with Jesus, to get to know him better, to come to him in scripture, in prayer, in the Eucharist, in Bible studies. We're starting the Bible sprints again today. Come to that and meet Jesus there. And over time, what you'll see is you learn what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he says, what he doesn't say, what he does, how he treats people, who he hangs out with, who he yells at, who he embraces. And over time, his personality will start to rub off on you too. And little by little, we become more and more like him because we're connected to him. And it's all about being connected to Jesus. Because when we are connected to Jesus in a way through our faith, then our actions start to line up with what he wants and who he is. Does that sound a little bit familiar to something you may have heard recently? Because that was his sermon last week. I very easily could call this Father's Ed's Sermon Part 2. Part 1 was better, but Part two's okay. He told us last week that we should remember two words. Do you remember what they were? Belief and behavior. And it's the same thing here because this text picks up exactly where the text last week ended. Our belief, the faith that, um, our faith in Christ that constantly calls us closer to Him leads to the right behavior that has real lasting consequences in love. And if we're not connected to Jesus, what did Ed say we can do? Nothing. Nothing, Nothing that has eternal value. But if we stay connected to Jesus, then our belief will bring the perfection of God's love in our lives, and that will affect our family, our friends, our church, and our entire society in really meaningful ways. And the church, and let's be honest here, church is weird. Our church especially is very weird because think of how diverse we are in so many different ways. We run so many different spectrums in this church whether it's political, racial, income. We have old people, young people, men, women, people with disabilities, people without them, people who love sports, people who love the theater, people who couldn't care about either one, people who love the outdoors, and me who can't stand it. <laughs> and it can seem that we are so far apart on so many things. And you think, I would never hang out with these people if it wasn't for this church. And it can feel really tough to love people at the same time. But when we've got our focus there, and we're all striving to love Jesus and get to know him better, it's like he's at the top of the triangle and we're at the bottom. 
And over time, we get closer and closer to Jesus, and we get closer and closer to each other. And we find it's easier to love one another because our focus is on Jesus, not on this other stuff. And then we can take that love that now has been built up within our church and have it spill over into our society. And all those things that we despise in our society, whether it's greed, the divisions in politics, what's happened you know, with racism between classes, between our own families, with our enemies, our friends, all these divisions, they crumble because we take the love of Jesus to folks out there. And that can have true, meaningful, lasting change because Jesus is involved. And he is the true vine, as our text said last week. And if we as the branches are connected to such a healthy vine as that, we will naturally produce beautiful, delicious food that we can share with the people around us that will really have eternal consequences. So stay connected to Jesus. Let's hang out with our best friend a lot. Let's spend so much time with him that our faith in him is deepened and his personality just rubs off, rubs off on us. Let us get to know him so well that our right belief leads to genuine Christ-like love that truly makes other people's lives better. Amen? Amen. And now, Father BJ once again with the children's homily. Good morning, everybody. It's Father BJ here, along with some of my crew, and we're here to talk about friends, so we brought along some of ours. Show them your friends. Yeah! Now, of course, they brought dolls, because they love dolls, but all my friends, they're games, so that's what I brought. Now, we've all got real friends, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, who are some of our friends? Alana across the street. Alana across the street. Olivia from school. Olivia from school. Who's your friend? And Elizabeth from church. And Elizabeth from church, yeah. Now, we probably like to do different things with our friends, and we like to show them we care about them. How can we show our friends we care? We love. We love them. We help them when they need it. Help them when they need it. And when we do what they say. And when we do what they say and do the things that they want to do. Now, one thing you may not have noticed is that over time, when you spend time with your friends, you become a little bit more like them. For instance, when I was in high school, I had a friend who loved computers. So guess what I bought? A computer. I had another friend who watched a lot of basketball. So you know what I did? I started watching basketball with him. And over time, our personalities can start to rub off on each other, which is why all these girls are matching their dolls to show that they start to look like each other the more time they spend. For instance, a lot of people tell me that I'm a lot nicer since I got married because my wife Kimberly is maybe nicer than I am. But it might be for you that if you have a friend who's silly, then when you're with them, you act kind of silly too. Or if they're athletic, then you like to play basketball and soccer and stuff with them. Or if they like to be, go on adventures, you go exploring in the woods. Now the same is true with our best friend in the entire world. And who's that? Jesus! That's right. Jesus tells us in our gospel reading for today, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. I have called you friends. We are Jesus's friends. How cool is that? It's amazing. Now, if there's one word I would use to describe Jesus, do you know what it is? Love! 
it would be love because Jesus loved so many types of people. He loved the young and the old, the rich and the poor, boys and girls, the healthy, the sick, people from different races, from different countries, and all sorts of people, even those who didn't like him and wanted to kill him. Now, there are many people in our lives too, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's lots of people for us to love. But are they all easy to love? No. 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 What might make somebody tough to love? When they bully you. When they bully you. When they don't pay attention to you. Oh, when they don't pay attention to you. When they don't do what you say. And when they don't do what you want to do. It's all about them. There's all sorts of people that might be difficult to love. But you know what we're supposed to do? Love them anyway. Right? We're supposed to love as Jesus loved. Now, how do we do that? There's a secret to it. And I've already told you what it is. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with him. Go to him. Get to know him. Make Jesus your best friend. You can do that by praying, by reading your Bible, by going to church, by talking to him whenever. And if you do that, over time, his personality will start to rub off on you too. And what you'll find is that you're able to love people the way Jesus has loved you. That's the secret. It's not about trying harder, because if you try harder, you'll never do it. It's all about spending time with Jesus, because Jesus is love, and he already loves those people that are tough to love. So if you want to love people better, even the people who are tough to love, spend more time with Jesus. That's the secret, because he is love. And you know what? He loves you, and so do we. So God bless you all. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As always, please be well, stay safe, and God bless.